Good morning. Y'all are a little bit of a different audience than I'm used to. Uh, I do much better with toddlers and uh, preschoolers, so forgive me if I start going for a dry erase board trying to uh, explain things through drawing. Um, I really am excited to be here with you guys this morning. Um, and before I begin, um, I wanted to give you a glimpse into early, um, a season of early mothering for me so that you do kind of know that I do kind of understand where you guys are. Um, and 44 looks like reading glasses, so I'm going to read and look at you. So, um, so August 19th of 2005, we have our third child. Uh, she's a little girl. She was added to, very, to two very active little boys. They were six and four. Seven days later, we evacuate for Katrina to um, a family home outside of Lafayette. Our house floods. Uh, my husband decides that New Orleans is still where we're going to be, so he actually moves home, lives in a trailer. We stay in um, Lafayette while he is putting the house back together. So I am staying there, raising essentially three kids by myself. We kind of meet up on the weekends, and four months later, we find out we're having another baby. So, <laughs> so um, for 18 months, uh, I raised three, then four children, um, with two of those kiddos under two, by myself. So I do understand challenging mothering seasons. And of course, life didn't stop there. That wasn't the end of my challenging seasons. Um, but for a while, I chose to look at mothering only as something that I needed to survive. It was just a task. I needed to move from one to the other. And I could very often be heard saying things like, oh, I just need to make it through this week. Uh, I just need to make it through this month just need to make it through this three-year-old stage, or diapers, or a potty shirt, whatever it was. Um, or I can't wait until they can wipe themselves. I don't know how many of you have been through that stage, but um, we actually had a joke uh, in my family that I should have a t-shirt that said, Mommy, come wipe me. Because for a very long time, <laughs> those were the words that were told to me probably more than anything else. Um, so I truly believed that the next season would be better, it would be easier, I just, just not this season. This is not where I wanted to be. I wanted to keep moving forward. Um, so I was moving through mothering, and I was doing the tasks, but I was never hooking into those moments that were right in front of me. I didn't want to slow down. I didn't want to engage what was happening any more than I absolutely had to because it was hard. Um, and that would mean more time in a space that in my head I was already done with. So one day, very graciously, um, after I had probably said for the 10,000th time, uh, I just need to make it through to Friday, my husband stopped me and said, you do realize you are missing their lives. You just keep making it through to whatever it is you think you got to make it to. And life their life, your life, our life, it's going on right now. And I need you, they need you, we need you to be here with us. We need you to stop, and we just need you to be here. So I was like, here? Here was, and I will tell you, is still messy, and at times it's still hard. Um, 
But I had trained myself to look somewhere else that, that looked not so messy and not so hard. But he was right. I was missing so much. And what would I miss in the future? So what needed to change and how? My seasons weren't going to change. I still had four kids who were messy and who were hard, just like me, just like their mom. Um, so how I looked at mothering, um, how I defined what was hard, what I believed to be true about mothering, those things I needed to put back in order. And I needed, I needed to find a, a bigger picture. So this is where I am. These are the ones I'm with. What if I um, began to treasure moments um, and, and not just survive them? What if I began to engage them and not just simply be the sippy cup refiller um, and then move on? Um, did God have something for me beyond what I see? What about my kids? Um, and so I needed to reorient how I saw things. I needed to see my seasons of mothering as good. They may not feel good. They probably didn't look good. And I'm sure they looked kind of crazy. Um, sometimes they might take my breath away, but they were. And they are. And I do believe that they will always be good. Um, I needed my thinking to be rewrited. And I believe it's Jen Wilkin. I don't know where she got it from. But anyway, she has this little string of thoughts that right thinking then begets right feeling, which then begets right doing. So I had to start at the beginning, and I had to start with right thinking. And I had to start with every season is good, thinking every season is good. Well, how do I do that? How did I, how did I do that? Um, well, I had to look at truth. And so these were some of the truths as I was thinking through how to, how to explain to you how I arrived today. And by arrived, I do not mean arrived. I have not, I, for the past two weeks, I have still had to put truth in front of me, still had to look at what was right in front of me and not try to move beyond. It's, I'm in a, another kind of busy season, so um, I am still walking through these truths. But how did I arrive at these truths? Um, so the first thing for me was reminding myself that, um, that God is in every season. Um, and you might say, oh, okay, yeah, I know that. Um, and, and I do. But remembering who God is and remembering that that is what is in every season, remembering that God is a God or a God is a God of order and he's not a God of chaos. And there is order and there is direction to my seasons. I'm not floating out there in some ambivalent universe that's going to take me wherever. Um, I, you know, when I think of chaos, I think of what my toddler's playrooms used to look like. That's not what my life looks like. Sometimes I, I might think, maybe feel that that's what it looks like, but that's not. And the order... The order that God brings, that I know that God brings into my life, that, that right there should bring me comfort. It should bring me comfort in my soul. I'm not being pulled every which way. Um, and something that, um, there was a particularly long, heavy season that I walked through, just in parenting, um, just in life issues, and um, up on my stove, 
So I'm a huge proponent of reminding myself everywhere. I just need it. It's, it's what I need. Up on my stove, I had put Isaiah 43.2 up on my stove. Um, and I would be at my stove, I don't know, 20 times a day because I'm a homeschool mom and I'm constantly cooking. And I have four kids, so I was at the stove a lot. Um, reminding me that I didn't walk alone. I do not walk alone. He walks through every moment with me. And so Isaiah 43 up on my stove just reminded me that when, not if, because life is a when. Um, when I pass through those waters, I will be with you. That's what he tells me. And through the rivers, they're not going to overwhelm me. And when I walk through the fire, and in that particular season, I felt like I was actually trudging through the fire. Um, it's not going to, it's not, I'm not going to be burned and the flame will not consume me. So to me, that gave me comfort. I'm not alone. God's ordering that I'm walking through that. And I love the word through because it's a segue. It's a segue into a, another point I'm going to make, but there is a through um, in my seasons. And um, so that was just, that, that was the first one, just reminding myself that God is in every season. Um, and a second one, and I don't know why this one was actually probably the hardest for me to, to really comprehend and wrap my brain around. But nothing comes my way except what God says is good for me. And I know that when seasons are hard, um, that's hard. I understand that. And I used to, um, I had this vision of the Lord, just his hands. Sorry, I'm going to talk in the microphone and not use my hands. This is hard for me. Um, just, you know, his hands. And nothing was coming to me except what was coming through his hands. It wasn't, again, it wasn't just that ambiguous, oh, let's throw it out or see what happens today. God knows me. He knows you. God created me. God sustains me. God knows my children. God created my children, yours. And as crazy as sometimes it might look to you, he put, he put us together. He put us uniquely together. Um, he put your families uniquely together. He knows the moments. He knows all your days. He knows all your months, your years. He knows the ones that are going to be hard. He knows the ones that are going to bring tears to your eyes because there's so much joy coming out of that season. Um, he knows all my struggles, my triumphs, theirs, yours. He knows them all before they begin. And he still calls me right here. He still calls you right where you are. Um, he still, back then, called me right where I was. Today, he calls me right where I am. And he calls me to right here, and he doesn't call me over there. Not today. Another season, but not today. Um, the next thing, which for me is a comfort, my seasons are finite. Um, all seasons will come to an end. Um, you will not potty train your children forever. You will not. Um, I'm sure that's a joy for We'll talk about that later, too. Um, your toddler will not be a toddler forever. Um, my youngest threw a tantrum in Target that could have rivaled any tantrum. And my sister, who wasn't even a mom yet, was with me. And she walked out of there and said, I am never having kids if they look like that. Um, she is a relatively adjusted 13-year-old today. She does not throw tantrums in Target. 
Okay? So I'm just encouraging you in the practical. Your seasons do not last forever. Um, but some of them are long. And, and obviously there's, there's hard in them. But there is an end to your seasons. There's always purpose to my seasons, to your seasons. Um, everything, every moment can show us something if we have eyes to look for it. Um, and I think that that was a huge thing of what I was missing in the beginning. I, I didn't, I, well, I didn't want to look for it. Um, but I, I had no eyes to look for anything. I wasn't looking in those moments trying to find um, what purpose is there? I was just, really, I was just refilling sippy cups, thinking there's just this physical task in front of me. I need to move through it. But what if every spill or potty training or teaching our children to tie their shoes or tying their shoes for the hundredth time in a day, what if every one of those things that maybe we see as a distraction or we just see as a task, what if those are where your real moments of parenting are? What's that? What if that was bigger than tying your shoes? What if that was, I don't know, for me it was teaching my children that I love them enough to stop what I was doing and bend down and tie their shoe or pull them up on my lap and show them that I love them and tie their shoe for the... 10th time in the hour um, as I was trying to teach them how to tie their shoes, moving into another season. trying to. So what if those are the real moments of parenting and they're meant to shape us and them? And one of the last things, um, the, the big points I wanted to talk to us about, don't rush your lessons. Um, keep in mind your seasons end, but don't don't be so quick to rush through your lessons. They build on each other. Um, and, and, and a way that I was thinking about this, um, I feel like mothering, motherhood is like paving a highway into the future. Um, every moment that we are engaging with our kiddos, I keep thinking of those little pavers, and every one of those moments that we're engaging with them serving them, loving them, whatever it is, in that moment, we're adding another paver to this highway. And it's a long one. But we're adding another paver to, to this relationship highway with our kids. And we need to have this with our kids. Um, we cannot hope to connect with a tween. And I'm saying this because I'm on the other side. Um, I cannot hope to connect with my 20-year-old my 19, my, he'll be 19 this week. Woo, kind of excited about that. Um, I cannot hope to connect with him, have a relationship with him. If I have not spent the moments now paving that highway, that road into his life um, and my girls' lives too, those are foundational highways and we need to start that now. Um, and to, you know, under the don't rush your, your lessons, um, this is kind of a no-brainer, but I'm going to say it anyway. Love your kiddos. Love your children. And I don't mean the snuggly, pinch their cheeks, give them kisses. Yes, all those are great. I love pinching baby cheeks. I love, I love to, you know, I serve on, on Sundays, and I get to love on your kids a lot. So I love that kind of love. It, that's great. But I'm talking about legitimate, pursuing, practicing, loving your children um, in their seasons of selfishness when they're small. 
So when your kiddos are small, their selfishness is small. It looks small. When they get bigger, their selfishness, all that stuff about them, that ugly stuff, it gets bigger. And, and again, it's paving those paving the highway, when they're young, pursue loving them when they're hard. Because you're not just going to wake up one day with a teenager and be able to love them if you haven't practiced that love for them when they were young, when, when it was difficult then. And practicing that love needs to grow with them through all their seasons. And I would flip that around. Pursue your children loving you. Um, seems like a no-brainer, but... Love them through their frustration and their anger and, and encourage them to love you back. Um, don't let them build spaces in their lives where it's okay to not love you. Don't give them the option to, and I hate, that sounds very harsh to not love you, but don't let them build ways into their life that, that block your highways into their lives. Um, a sweet mom years and years ago, prepared me for the teenage years. And um, I'm so glad she did. Uh, she told me that you can love your children as teenagers. Well, I guess back then there was that big teenage seasons are just, you know, next to toddlers. It's the worst season of their life. Or I don't know. I think there was just this huge, I don't like my teenager movement going on. And so Annette Loria just I don't know, it was probably just a passing comment from her, just reminding me that you can still love your teenagers, you can still have relationships with your teenagers. And so um, it came at a very timely moment for me because I was learning how to pave those roads and pave that highway. And, and so my thought was, okay, well, then maybe I need to widen my, maybe I need to, I need to build this highway because when I get to the teenage years, I want to love my kids and I want my kids to love me back. And so, um, so I would encourage you in that same way. And by the way, you can love your teenagers. I have launched two of them. Um, I've got two in the midst of it right now. So Annette was right. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you mentor moms can say the same thing. Um, so right thinking. That was all my right thinking. I had to rewrite my thinking. And when I rewrited my thinking my feelings and then my actions um, started to follow. So how do you take just these thoughts or ideas? How do you put them into practice? That's all well and good, but how did you, how did you do that? What, what does the rubber, you know, rubber meet in the road? What does that look like? So like I said, I am a huge reminder fanatic. Um, I remind myself everywhere. I remind myself in my house. I remind myself in my car. I remind myself on my, on my phone. Um, at one point, uh, laundry was a huge, um, I don't know, it was just an obstacle for me. I didn't like laundry. My youngest daughter follows in my footsteps, and we're working on that. Um, I had on my on my uh, washing machine, so I have a front loader, so I had the dispenser that pulls out, and I had to tape on the front of my dispenser to give thanks in all circumstances. And that circumstance was one of the ones that I just, I mean, I struggled a lot with. Um, and so 
you know, 10 times a day I was doing laundry with four kids and they're all active. And every time I was reminding myself, give thanks in all circumstances, give thanks in all circumstances, because this is God's will for you for the 10th time today and then folding them all and dry, whatever it was. And so um, my laundry piles were teaching me love for my children. That scripture was teaching me gratefulness for active, messy little people. And today, I can tell you, so my youngest is um, trying to take over that job. That's what I'm training her for, and we're still working through that. Um, But I do still do a significant amount of it, uh, especially when my boys come home on the weekend and laundry needs to get done quickly. And so when I fold that now, um, I don't fold it with resentment anymore. Those constant reminders, every shirt that I fold that I can't ever get clean. They always still smell like stinky boys. Um, Every shirt that I fold, I am reminded of the young men who wear those shirts. And so in those moments, I get to pray for protection for those kids and thank the Lord that, that, that he gave me them. So I fold with gratefulness for the bodies who create that dirty laundry today. Um. I celebrate victories. I celebrate ends. It's another practical way that I do this. I celebrate ends to particularly hard seasons, to particularly long, hard seasons. Um, Hindsight is so 2020. I had no idea what that meant when I was younger. Um, I do now. in, when I celebrate, I, I love to turn around now. I love to turn around and look at how God met us in those seasons. How God met me over and over and over in the simple things, in the big things, whatever it was, in those long seasons. How he met my kids. I could tell you stories. I mean stories of how God met my kids, how he was real to my kids. Actually, I'm not going to let this one pass because this is a good one we talk about a lot. I didn't put it in here. I hope I'm not going to go over time. It's just a small one. Um, so my second son, um, he is a pocket knife fanatic. My, my boys are kind of outdoor boys, and he's a pocket knife fanatic. And my um, father-in-law had given him a pocket knife that um, was his when he was younger. And he had put it in his pocket and went playing on the levee, um, you know, the levee, the expansive levee. Comes home. It's gone. It's gone. And, and his, so my father-in-law's, you know, they're, they're like twins. They really could have been spawned from one another. So this pocket knife meant a lot to him. And um, couldn't find it anywhere. Okay, but, you know, going through the whole, where, you know, where's the last time, blah, 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 on the levee. And, you know, you just go, oh, well, we're never going to get it back. You know, you don't say that, but you like, oh, no, we're never going to get it back. So he and I are trekking up there the next morning. So it's already been like 24 hours, trekking up there the next morning. I'm like, buddy, where were you? I mean, he's like, well, mom, I was just running up and down and rolling and, you know, being a boy. I'm like, okay, bud, so we're just going to, it's like search and rescue. We're just going to grid the levee together. And I'm walking and um, I kind of, you know, in myself, I had given up hope. And I'm like, okay, so how do I walk him through this? How do I walk him through disappointment? And I said, Lord, there is no way, there's no way that he or I is ever, ever going to find this knife, ever. It's this big, and it's the color of grass. It's camouflage. Um, 
I need your help. I either need you to show me right here, right now. I either need you to let me look down and find the knife or give me words to walk him through this season. And so I just, I look down and I'm praying and there's a knife. Miles of levy and there's a knife. And so that is a story that, that we, um, just one story, one small little story that we remind that's big in his life, that's real in his life. And that's a hindsight for us. And we all, you know, we point back to God's faithfulness, even in the little teeny tiny, what was big for a 10-year-old, but the teeny tiny things. I tell my kids those stories. Um, it builds faith and it builds trust for your next seasons. Hindsight builds foresight. And my husband and I were praying this morning um, before we came. That's why I was running a little bit late. His prayers went a little long. (laughs) But I'm grateful for it because he said, unbeknownst to him, he said some of the things that I was talking about in here. Um, So yesterday he had some biopsies on some skin stuff on him. And um, we got some of the biopsies back yesterday and two of them... um, are concerning and he's going to have to have Mohs surgery on his face. Um, and so when I tell you that I'm walking through God is in every season, I am walking through God is in every season. When I tell you that nothing comes to me except which God says is good for me, walking through that. Um, when my husband just started his own company eight months ago, in the recruiting business and nobody's hiring at the moment because everybody's afraid the world's going to fall apart, walking through those seasons. Um, so this morning, but you know, the crazy thing that he did, he's, he's not despairing. The crazy thing he did was walk through the big things for us, the way that God has met us in every moment. And he just took it back, like taking it back, taking it back to the beginning and just walking through moment by moment of how God has met us through everything. And so I would really encourage you to do that. Walk it through moment by moment. Um, And whatever that looks like, if you journal, keep journaling. Um, However, however reminders look in your family, I would really encourage you to do that. Um, Look for others who have gone before you, women who are in seasons ahead of you, mentor moms, and ask for their hindsight. Um, I remember Liz, this, she probably doesn't even remember because again, it's probably like something you just, you just say, cause it's just part of my life. Um, when my boys were like 10 and 12, they were boy scouts and they were going on this week long boy scout camp out, um, I'm sorry, camp by themselves. And adults are not allowed in their camping areas. So they were living in a tent by themselves for a week. And, um, you know, obviously there were adults there, but that meant they had to remember to brush their teeth. They had to bathe, um, change their clothes, not lose their clothes, um, go to sleep, not go to sleep, make it to the classes they were scheduled for, just survive. I mean, I was thinking about physical safety, you know, just a 10 and 12 year old boy living by themselves for a week. And so, you know, I look back at it now and I'm like, those were such silly fears of mine, but they were, they were real at the moment. And Liz's sons jumped out of helicopters in combat zones. And I'm worried about my Boy Scouts in a tent. 
But to me, it was real. That's where I was. And I needed hindsight. And so I stopped her in the children's church line. And I'm like, I just need you to tell me they're going to survive the week. I mean, I know it's not helicopters, but it's a tent and they're by themselves. And she did. She just encouraged me from her hindsight. And that that was just, you know, it was small sentences. It was little things, but it was, it was her going before me, telling me, I can look back at God's faithfulness. God's faithful. And so find those women, the women in here, um, be that for each other. You know, nobody's in the same exact stage at the same moment. So be that for each other. And then the last part was just trying to find practical, enjoyable ways to engage the seemingly unimportant things in my children's lives. Um, and then even that thought began to change for me because my children and your children, they're smaller versions of ourselves. They're not these separate, children are not these separate entities. They, they are little adults. They don't, you know, they're, they're going to grow up to be us. So their moments, they're important. Their seasons for them are important as well. And they need the same truths. They need to be changed by the same truths that we do um, to be able to navigate their seasons of life. So their unimportant things became tools to shape me and to shape them. And so um, I started to look for God in every moment, um, in everything. Um, why, why not look for him in everything? Why not teach myself and them to look for him everywhere? And so here are just some practical things um, that I wrote down. And I'm actually, most of you are probably doing a lot of these things. Um, and you could probably teach me a hundred other things to do. But I really actually scaled this list down because I was going into weird stuff. And I was like, I don't think I need to say that on the microphone. <laughs> so I will... Um, just encourage you with, with a list of, of some practicals. Um, so I did not grow up in a believing home. So having children, being a parent, um, this was learning for me. Um, this was learning how to do things God's way. I didn't, I didn't have that growing up. So um, like I said, some of the stuff you guys might already be doing incorporated into your life. But um, <clears throat> we learned scripture together. And we learned a lot of it to music. You would be surprised what kids learn to music. If you think about, I can still walk in Walmart and sing any 80s song. And my girls are like, do you know this song too? I know every song. Music sticks with you. It really does. And so, um, you know, the Bible talks about hiding his word in, in our hearts so that we might not sin against him. So fastest way for my kids to learn it, fastest way for me to learn it was music. There are resources galore. Uh, you could probably YouTube learning scripture uh, songs. Um, but there are resources galore out there for you to use. And I'm sure you can download them on your phone. There's still CDs. We actually did it back when there was cassette tapes. I don't even know if any of y'all know what some of those are. And I remember records, too. That day. And uh, what was before records? Oh. Eight tracks. That, that was like really young for me, but I do remember eight tracks. But anyways, <clears throat> so learning scripture to music. Um, one great resource that I would encourage all of you to invest in is the Jesus Storybook Bible. I don't know how many of you have it. Um, Sally Lloyd-Jones, um, she's written a whole bunch of other things, but I would tell you that that is 
one of the best resources for little people. Um, it is the Bible in kitty kid terms, but it's not shying away from truths and always pointing to Christ. And what I really like about it is the audio version. Uh, David Suchet, y'all probably don't even know who he is either. Um, he actually did, I think it was Masterpiece Theater a long time ago. But anyways, he does, um, <laughs> someone knows, um, he does the audio for it. And when my girls, so the audio came out kind of when my girls were little, that was part of nap time for them. Um, I would give them their book uh, and I would put the audio on for them. And uh, they could lay in the bed. They didn't you know, have to go to sleep, but you did have to rest. Um, and some days, some days were days where I needed to be in there with them too. And I would lay on the bed with them. They would be flipping through and they'd be listening to it. Eventually they'd fall asleep and I could stay for hours listening to the rest of that audio. And some days it was meant to feed me, not just teach my children. So that is a, a, a resource I would absolutely um, encourage you guys to, to get. Um, I know that seasons of mothering, especially when they're little, toddlers, what have you, having your quiet time or just, just being in the Word at all, <clears throat> quiet or not, um, can be a challenge. And I would tell you, turn on the audio. Turn on, get your phone. It has, uh, you know, the Bible apps. Turn it on on audio. Um, the more your children are exposed to Scripture, the more normal it becomes to them. Um, it doesn't have to be formal times. You can be cooking. You can be nursing. You can be sitting and playing. There's versions that have different people's voices. Um, I know the NIV on mine sounds a lot more sophisticated than the ESV. And I personally love the ESV version, but I really love the NIV, the way the guy speaks. So I've been listening to the NIV, just changing it up. But, um, Get them used to hearing scripture. They're big words. They won't always understand everything, but they will have been introduced to it. It will not be foreign to them. Um, and guess what? Both of you need Jesus. There's, there's both of you need it. And what, just what a, what an easy way, um, what an easy way to have that. Um, <clears throat> other things uh, that we did. Uh, read great books, challenging books about good and evil. Don't shy away from things that are good and evil. Don't shy away from evil characters. Um, show them, um, you know, give them stories. Uh, my girls were listening to The Hiding Place at probably five and six years old. The Hiding, so focus on the family. Great, um, great resources there. Focus on the Family has a dramatized version of The Hiding Place, and we have been listening to that. Now, my boys listen to it, hence the reason my girls were listening to it at five years old. But um, just that's just a wonderful story of light and dark, and light in the very darkest times and places. And so don't shy away from letting your kids um, hear those things or, or reading those things to them and talking to them about that. There are missionary stories. Um, YWAM has a tremendous amount of resources about that. I'm sure your, your mentor moms, other moms can, can just point you, but don't be afraid of reading challenging stories <clears throat> to them. Find them in audio and kids love dramatization. Uh, but my girls have since probably read the actual hiding place about five or six times. So they do move on from dramatized uh, 
you know, audio at five. Um, another thing, I know it's probably simple and you probably do do it, but take walks together and look for God everywhere. Um, taking a walk with your child, minus the phone, minus whatever, you know, other distractions, take walks with them, touch them, hold their hands, um, touch their heads, pinch their ears, um, you know, whatever that looks like. But slowing down to be with your kids is important. It lets them know, hey, mom can stop, and mom can really be where I am. And what a sweet time to talk about God and his creation and just whatever pops up. Um, So learn theology together. I know that's a crazy thing um, to say, but hard truths about God and about man and about who we are in light of God, learning theology together, what your kids believe, what you believe, it all matters. And so training them from the get-go about what is true is important. And again, resources, I'm sure your mentor moms can give you some, but um, there's, so the New City Catechism, our fifth graders go through it up here um, in children's ministry, but there, that New City Catechism for Kids can be adapted for young ones. You can start them early. You can start them. What is your purpose in life? What is your hope in life? Um, Because, I mean, you know, little ones, they need the truth just like we do. Um, Where am I on my list? Oh, talk with them all the time. Talk to your children. My daughter and I were in the mall one day a while back, and there was this mom, and this is not judgmental, is not being judgmental. This was a teaching moment for my child. So there was a mom there with her little girl. She had to have been a year, maybe. Little girl in the stroller. The mom's got earbuds in and the phone. So I'm guessing she's talking on the phone. And the little one-year-old's got the phone. And they're not connecting at all. And so my daughter was kind of like, hmm, that's kind of weird. So I was glad that she noticed that that was kind of weird. Good step. Um, and so I just got to, to remind her, our, you know, you need to engage your children. You, you, they don't learn to talk if you don't talk to them. So the same goes for they won't learn to express themselves if, if you don't pull it out of them, if you don't teach them to express themselves. Um, talk to your children. Talk to them um, all the time. I know that I can say that now because I, I, I remember being in the car with my oldest and he never stopped talking. Never stopped talking. And I think I probably said, oh my gosh, is he ever going to stop talking? No, he hasn't stopped talking. <laughs> um, but listen to them too. Listen to what they have to say. Find out what's going on in their little heads. Help them navigate life. Find out what's in there. Make it normal for them to talk to you and make it normal for you to listen to them. And along with that, utilize your time in the car with them. You have a captive audience. They can't go anywhere. They cannot get out. That is your time. Um, And look, I know there's days where you're thinking, I don't want to talk anymore. And okay, so maybe those are the days that the Jesus Storybook Bible goes on the you know, goes on the radio or scripture music. Um, But I have found that's one of those pavers in parenting that I have found. Um, My teenagers can't get out the car yet. And so that is just this time where I really get to delve into life 
with them. And we built that from the get-go. So it's not abnormal for my 13-year-old and 14-year-old and 20-year-old and 18-year-old to talk to me in the car. Um, so just, you know, they're just practical things. Um, potty training is a finite time for your kiddos. So use that week, however long it is. Use that week. Don't just send them in there. Don't just rush to get through that little season. Um, be intentional in there. Pull a stool up. Have a conversation with them. I know it seems silly, but that really will not last long. It will be done in a week, two weeks, whatever. Um, the last little thing was bedtime rituals. This was really more my husband than me because I was with them all day long. Um, but he built in, in bedtime rituals, times of devotions, times of prayer. He introduced them to a lot of great literature. It started with the Hardy Boys. Okay, you got to start small. My kids love the Hardy Boys. But they eventually moved into C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and so on and so forth. But he, um, he really purposed that time with them. He would spend about an hour a night. And that may not be feasible for everybody, but that, that was a sacred time for them, a purposed time for them. So just in closing, um, those were just some of the things that have helped me connect with my children and have kept me thinking the right ways. Over the years, connections have looked different. It, you know, we don't, all, we, don't, we, still don't, we don't still listen to the Jesus Storybook Bible. We have moved on. Um, but my connections are there, and they have been paved by years of purposeful, engaging life with them. I'm grateful for the insight of my husband to stop me from just trying to make it through to the next season. And I wake up most days today to a house of four, not six anymore, um, because two of them are up at LSU. But I don't wake up thinking about how much of their lives and how much of mine I have missed. I have vast highways forged in hard seasons, wonderful seasons, hard seasons, dotted with a lot of victories and a lot of defeats. But those highways connect me to some of my greatest gifts. My children, your children, they are terrific treasures. And they are meant to be engaged right now. Our lives as mothers are meant to be more than just survive to the next task, to the next season. So I really want to encourage you to be in your good seasons. Thank you guys.